Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allow you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am your host, Tony Smith, and today we continue our discussion on the absence of having a mom. But before we dive in, it would be really great if you'd be willing to give us some feedback by filling out a quick two-question survey in the show notes below. Laura and I want to hear your feedback for the show, and it would greatly help us out with how to make the show better for all of you listening out there. It's literally a two-question Google form. It might take 30 seconds to complete, but it would be a tremendous help to us and also gives us some insight on what topics to talk about in the future, but also on what we can do to improve the show. Now, if you listened to our previous episode, we focused on how valuable moms can be in our lives and how involved mothers make a lifelong positive impact on us. While at the same time, uninvolved moms can have the same lifelong effect, but in a negative way. In today's episode, we're diving deeper into the realm of having a neglectful, toxic, or abusive mother, and how that impacts us as parents, as well as how it impacts our kids through generations and generations beyond. And throughout the episode, I'll provide you with some resources and guidance that hopefully will help you overcome some of those parenting struggles. So to kick things off, our Bible verse for this week is Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. So from the start, the focus of these verses revolve around women or mothers. Older women, like I mentioned in the absence of mom part one, have a role to play in the lives of younger women. And older women, meaning ladies who are past the raising of their own children, empty nesters, if you will. These older women should be taught to not slander or get drunk, but to be virtuous, allowing them to teach younger women what is good. We need those older women in our lives, especially if you've lost your own mother. We need people who have lived life and have walked with the Lord for multiple decades. And we, as younger parents, need to listen to what they have to say. Hear their stories and wisdom. And why do you think those verses say, so the older women can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children? Why do the younger women need urging? I'm guessing because when creating a family and raising kids, it creates unique challenges. It's hard, and you don't always feel loving towards your family. We all need that encouragement because when you are in the middle of raising a family, you're constantly on the go, going from one place to another in no time flat. You're constantly exhausted, never catching your breath, and you just don't have a ton of time to recuperate. So loving your husband and your children is tough, but it's needed. Because if you go months or years without showing affection to each other, well, any relationship would crumble. So as younger parents, 
We need that encouragement from those older and wiser people who have endured those long nights of a baby screaming or have endured the rebellious teenagers running away or turning against the Lord. We need to know that we aren't alone in navigating those hurdles we experience in life. Now, when it comes to the relationship with your mother, there is this term thrown around called intergenerational trauma. Kind of a mouthful. What intergenerational trauma is, by definition, it's when the impact of childhood abuse or neglect begins to influence the way we think about, feel about, or react to our own children. I want to say this again. The impact of childhood abuse that you went through, the neglect that you went through, begins to influence the way we think, feel, and react to our own kids. Now again, last week I had mentioned how we naturally parent like our parents parented us, good or bad. Intergenerational trauma fits right into that. The impacts we had in our childhood play a huge factor into how we react to parenting our own kids. There's a pretty unique little book called Turning the Tide, Parenting in the Wake of Past Trauma. It's by Jana Presley and Caitlin Marie Wilson. It's like 28 pages. It's for free online. I'll post the link in the show notes for you if you want to check it out. Um, It's pretty informative with some real-life examples, which, you know, was good for me to read. It also provides some strategies and resources towards the end of the book as well. But one of the challenges as a parent is that when we don't experience the comfort and affection from our parents, specifically our mom as a child, we have to learn how to do that as adults when showing affection to our own kids. So here's a few examples. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where physical touch was a problem. So I'm going to give you two scenarios. So scenario number one, perhaps you were never hugged by your parents. Maybe mom and dad didn't show affection that way. Well, you might have to learn how to give hugs to your own kids because it might feel weird or out of place. I think this occurs more often with dads than moms, but nonetheless, showing physical affection to your children is needed because they crave it. They need that physical touch. And I'm telling you, if you don't provide it for them, they will find it somewhere else. So that's kind of a warning for dads out there. Hug your daughters. Scenario number two is kind of the opposite. Perhaps you experienced too much physical affection. And it turned into abuse when you were a child. You may have resentful feelings towards physical touch between you and your kids. So there are a lot of different emotions depending on everybody's individual circumstance. And here's a little section from the book I mentioned above. So this is a quote. It says, Our patterns of relating to ourselves, other people, and the broader world are learned through our earliest relationship, the attachment bond between child and caregiver. When this relationship is insecure or unhealthy, it may result in a tendency toward avoiding intimacy or anxiously clinging to others out of fear or abandonment. When these early self-protective relationship tendencies persist into adulthood, it can take a considerable amount of emotional energy to learn new ways of interacting. 
what this is saying is that those earliest interactions between you and your caregiver makes an impact into adulthood. And when you find yourself having to change or adjust how you interact with your children, it is really hard. It's exhausting. It isn't something you can achieve in a day. It takes time, practice, patience, and an immense amount of effort. So if you find yourself in this boat, here's a little revelation I had a few years ago. There's this concept called co-regulation where you help your child regulate their emotions, but since they're children, they can't do it themselves. The goal is to get them to self-regulate their emotions, but co-regulating with them teaches them how to do so. Well, when you think about how you regulate your own emotions, is it positive or negative? When you get angry, do you lash out and say evil things or throw objects across the room or kick the dog or whatever? Or do you take a few deep breaths, calm down, and move on in a calm manner? Well, you can't co-regulate with your child's emotions if you are unable to self-regulate with your own. And I think dads struggle with this much more than moms do. But moms do struggle with it. When you have an escalated situation, like with a screaming toddler throwing a fit, it just isn't possible to de-escalate the situation by escalating yourself. If you have a three-year-old going through a temper tantrum, yelling at them is not going to get them to calm down. It will induce fear, causing them to cry and scream even more. You have to be able to de-escalate yourself, self-regulate your emotions before you can attempt to help your child. And this is something I struggled with a lot with our middle daughter. She was colicky and cried and cried and cried, and my sympathy towards her was gone. Like, I just stopped caring. And I would really struggle with it, like seriously, to the point where I would hit things, hurt myself, because that's how I coped. If she would cry, I would get upset. And it never made anything better. And as a dad, I have to be able to self-regulate before I can even come close to helping calm down my kids. And for people who have intergenerational trauma, it's that much harder. There's always going to be some sort of event or sound that triggers those emotions. And the first step is to recognize it. That way you're aware of yourself. Then you can begin to find productive strategies or coping mechanisms that allow you to move forward or make progress in that area where you don't get upset over things that trigger you from your past. But like I said, it's really difficult to do. It's not something you can achieve in a day. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it will be worth it in the long run, not just for you, but for your children and your children's children. As we enter into real life with the Smiths, one of the things that I personally think is such a challenge when raising kids is that there is no way you can be prepared for it. I mean, you can read a few books and listen to some advice from people, but 
there's not a whole lot you can do to actually prepare yourself for having a child. Once you become a parent, your life changes drastically. And even more when you add kids to your family. And having a new baby brings a lot of added stress to an already busy and stressful life. You lose time to yourself. You're, dis- you're sleep deprived. Emotions run high. And after doing the same thing, waking up every few hours in the night, you get over it. You get sick and tired of being sick and tired. So what do you do? I'm telling you, you don't have to be Superman or Wonder Woman. Ask for help. Three words. Ask for help. It is okay to get help from family and friends. You need to take a rest. You need to rekindle your relationship with your spouse and go on a date. Taking care of and raising your kids when you are constantly grumpy, irritable, or even mean isn't helping them. And it's not helping you. And that's a big challenge in our own household. We often try to do everything ourselves and don't ask for help. Or we feel that if we ask, we are burdening those we are asking. Because we know our kids are a lot. They are a lot to handle even for a few hours, let alone an afternoon or a day. So because we don't want to burden those around us, we often just suck it up and deal with it, even when we're totally wiped out. And there are quite a few days where we are angry with each other and are just spent. We're done. And there's not exactly a ton of time to recuperate. So my first piece of parental advice is to be brave and ask somebody for help. Friends at your church, your grandma, somebody you trust. And the reason I'm giving you this advice is to avoid or shift this intergenerational trauma. Because if you've been through that, if you've experienced that, This advice is for you because if you don't take care of yourself or you don't rekindle your relationship with your spouse, you're just going to have the same cycle going over and over and over again for generations. That's why it's called intergenerational trauma. So I'm trying to help you break the cycle. But like I said before, it's not easy. It's very difficult. This parental advice provides you a chance to revamp, re-energize, and reflect. All of this comes simply from getting people to help you raise your kids, because it takes a village. Even though you are the most influential people in your family unit, it takes a village to care for and raise kids. Now that doesn't mean take advantage and ship your kids off to somewhere different every day of the week. Taking a break is not the same as taking advantage. Neglecting your kids of your attention can happen even despite the best of intentions. I have a hard time accepting the fact that allowing other people to raise your kids more than you do, and I've talked about this before, I know mom and dad have to work to provide for your family. Nowadays, careers take precedence over family, so so mom and dad both work full time. Even the daycare that I work next to every day There are toddlers and preschool kids that get dropped off at 6.30 in the morning and aren't picked up until 6.30 at night, every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Forget a minute about the parent. What does that do for the kids? 12 hours a day, 5 days a week, interacting with adults other than you or your spouse. And when the kids do come home, How energized are those parents after working a 9 to 10 hour shift? That's tough for me to see. And I know some of you out there are in a spot where you don't have a choice. 
Single parent working two plus jobs just trying to function and trying to make things work. I get that. But what about the parents that do have a choice? What about you listening? Do you have that choice? What about the parents that work from home but still take their child to daycare? And that's not exactly cheap. Like $1,600 a month for childcare? Like goodness. And you choose to pay that because you can? Because both of you work full-time jobs and can afford it? And maybe I'm old school, but I like the thought of Laura and I raising our kids and not somebody else, especially for the first five years of their lives, at least until they start school. And what values do you want your kids to know? Do you want the daycare's values or your family's? I think there's a great distinction between asking for help and taking advantage. But ultimately, you have to decide what's best for you and your family. I can only speak from experience. But when you're in the grind of parenting, sometimes you also need a break from each other. It is perfectly okay to have a hobby. Something where you can get out of the house once a week and hang out with some friends or connect with your tribe. I know a lot of dads that do a golf league once a week, which is great. I know a bunch of girls go for walks and get coffee in the mornings, but also bring their kids. It's good to connect with others and get out of the house. It's good for you and as an indirect benefit, it's good for your family. But just like anything else, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. A golf league that goes on once a week is very different from doing a golf league on Tuesday, Bible study Wednesday, running club on Thursday, fishing on Friday, gaming on Saturday. You know, if you fill multiple days during the week with stuff for yourself, that is time and investment taken away from your family. That isn't healthy either. And it all comes back to what I mentioned in the last episode. Patterns and habits. Creating good patterns and habits gives your family a strong foundation and structure to function properly, but also to build a little micro-community in your home. If that community is missing a leader or support or comfort or stability, that community is going to have some dysfunction. So as a recap, moms, find other mothers out there that are willing to invest in you and support you, and teach you, especially if you have an unsupportive mother or have lost your mother. Secondly, those early interactions with you and your parents, specifically the interactions between you and your mom, can have a lifelong impact, which is also true for you and your own kids. So be intentional in making them positive and learning how to self-regulate your emotions and keeping calm when stressed does wonders for not only you, but for your family. Once you have learned to control your own emotions, you can attempt co-regulating, which basically helps teach your own kids how to regulate their own emotions as well. Lastly, utilize the resources you have near you. Find a support system or a person or group of people to come alongside you and help you on your parenting journey. Don't tackle parenting alone but also don't take advantage of a system where you can pitch off your kids the majority of the time. You have to really reflect on if you want to raise your own children or if you want somebody else to. Find that balance and have conversations with your spouse about it because I'm telling you, it will bring blessing to not only your kids, but your grandkids for generations to come. 
That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening. We appreciate all of your support. Be sure to click on the link and fill out our survey to help us hear your voice and improve our show. Thanks again. This is The Walk.